You're listening to the RSA Conference podcast, where the world talks security. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this edition of our RSAC 365 podcast series. Thanks for tuning in again. I'm your host, Casey Zirkus, Senior Content Manager with RSA Conference. We've been looking at threat modeling this month, and we've discussed how to become a threat modeling SME. Today, my guest, Karen Harris, is going to be talking about avoiding costly toolset purchase and resource spend for enterprise-wide threat modeling. But before we get started, I want to remind our listeners that here at RSAC, we host podcasts twice a month, and I encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review us on your preferred podcast app so that you can be notified when new tracks are posted. And now I'd like to ask Karen to take a moment to introduce herself before we dive into today's topic. Karen, over to you. Thank you, Casey. I'm happy to be here and thank you for inviting me. I am an IT professional. I've got over 30, 35 years experience in the business going from um, development, the developer to project and program management and to security management, which I'm in now in cybersecurity specifically. This is global experience I've had all over the world with different types of companies, um, financial, various different types of firms, as I mentioned. So I am residing in the U.S. and um, I am a professional right now working for a fairly large firm as well, uh, doing threat modeling and also managing cyber intelligence and security specifically as well. Great. We are so excited to have you here. And um, I've been learning a lot about threat modeling, what it is and you know when it should be done. Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about the cost of threat modeling for enterprises, especially to do threat modeling at scale. And what does that mean for our listeners? Yeah. But modeling scale is a topic that there's still some debate about, and I suppose about what the best way to go about this would be, because it varies so much by the, you know, organization that you're working with and how you want to uh, start working with threat modeling as a function and as a practice. But at scale, there's several things that you really need to think about. And it's not just about buying a centralized tool that you can use for that. Because of course, that's very important. And that will be one of the largest expenses that you have. But it's also about the things that will change internally to your organization that may also garnish and, and create maybe hidden costs of things that maybe weren't expected. Um, the big one is also is really on the resource um, the time and efforts that would be involved to manage a threat modeling practice, because you have people that would end up being the recipients or the stakeholders. And at the end of the day, the owners of the threat models are being done. But more than likely, you will need to have a team that is managing at least at the very least the governance around how threat modeling is managed which means that, yes, there may be extra expense in bringing other people in, whether they be permanent or non-permanent, to set up that structure so that there is governance around it. Because in the threat modeling world, sort of having repeatable processes that can be monitored for maturity and for effort and, in fact, for the sake of actually knowing if you're being effective or not with threat modeling, you do need a function or, or resources that manage that side of it. Also around support, it's not just the governance also. When you think about, for instance, if you are going to bring in tools or build your own, however you manage to do that, maybe a combination thereof, you have to think about also who are the support people that are going to manage such tools. 
If they're manual tools that you're templating, maybe using some native applications like Microsoft apps or something like that, and you have a smaller organization, it's pretty easy to get by using those. But if we're talking about at scale, you are going to need some real structures behind, you know, how you're managing, for instance, guidance and FAQs. And that will affect things like, you know, maybe your support desk who also need to maybe support the application that's being used as well. So there's a bit of overhead on the inside not just with tooling, but with resourcing. And you have to think about, you know, those costs too, about how many people do we need to bring in and what's it going to look like, you know, in maybe first phase or second phase or third phase when it gets rolled out uh, to the entire organization. So maybe we could talk a little bit about those phases, right? And sort of the key spend considerations um, so that we can get an idea of the true cost of doing threat modeling at enterprise scale and maybe some of the challenges um, mm-hmm. around that? I would say key costs in rolling out. Well, things that I said that are going to affect your costs are certainly numerous, but I think the key thing that's going to keep your costs at bay and also maybe help determine what that's going to look like is knowing really what your current process is for managing security and threat management currently, and whether you have, say, a manual process in place already that you want to turn into something that can be better scalable and also um, extended out to more than maybe one user type. As an example of that, I know that there's been places I've worked at where you've got just one or two teams that are actually using the threat modeling function because of the fact that maybe the way that new projects and applications and such are managed, that it isn't necessary to threat model um, things outside of, say, for instance, an application area versus threat modeling if you're doing physical um, security and, and including that into your threat modeling process. And then also including process and procedure from a business aspect into threat modeling. So that's one thing that's really going to determine at the first step what your cost is going to look like, what you feel are the assets that you need to protect via threat modeling, and where do those sit and how well connected and maybe how well defined the current processes are, whether they be manual or not. That'll determine really putting this together into maybe a better program that you can extend to using an external tool. I always say it's really important to know what the process is or should be first, because you should not ever go out and, you know, get the advice of folks that are outside of your company, um, vendors and such, because they're going to base what you should do based on the way their tools work, as opposed to the way your company needs to work and what you need to protect via threat modeling and using an external tool. So that's really an important first step, I think, is to look at what the process is and what you need to protect and where you're at with that. Because you may decide to wait, you know, until later to bring in something else external until you have that really done and dusted or at least under control. And are there particular questions that you should be thinking about if you are having to make that choice between out of the box versus internal development? Um, Sure. Always. I mean, it it doesn't really differ for other types of applications, too, if you're bringing in something that manages threat modeling versus bringing in another application that may serve one of your business units or organizations. Um, You always want to think about, you know, where you're going to get your value from and how will actually span out over the generally three first three years that you're looking to initiate this. So essentially, then you're looking at, well, what is my return and how am I measuring that as a value? 
you know, to threat modeling, because I'll tell you, there's also a whole nother podcast that you might want to do about, you know, making measurements and being able to prove value of threat modeling, you know, because it's not something where, you know, suddenly you've got something here and there's an output and there you go. The measures for threat modeling are myriad, especially at, at scale, if you're looking at enterprise size um, implementations, because you're measuring not only just the fact that you've caught a number of threats, for instance, but you know, down the road and past the point of threat modeling, do you know how those actually were protecting the firm? And can you prove that over time? Is that growing or is it not growing? So very important at, at that point to uh, answer your question more uh, in depth to say, yeah, steps to look at and things to think about are, you know, what is the value of the threat model itself today? You know, what do you need the value to be or where do you want to set your measures? And measures, again, are going to be really important as far as step two to span out to spend the money on a threat modeling program. Very important. And so, you know, when you're thinking about what is the value of a threat model today, right, um, mm-hmm. and where you want it to be, are there hidden implementation changes that will have some cost associated? How do you allocate resources for those updates that are going to be required? Yeah, well, allocating resources, yes, very important because you have to think about what is your security um, standard and model look like right now? Um, Do you have a cyber intelligence team that maybe have the bandwidth or are prepared to extend to the threat modeling world? Or where is really threat modeling going to sit is also a big question, too. Um, Traditionally, it sits with application security because that's the way that and the most important focus that most larger companies have on threat modeling. But I did mention before, of course, that people may choose to extend that um, past application realm into more of the um, hardcore physical and infrastructure world, as well as into process and procedures, which is, by the way, where threat modeling actually came from, did not originally originate in technology. It was used as business for business practices. Threat modeling, thankfully, kind of combines those as much as you need them to and as little as you need them to. Your folks and your resources may be sitting already internally. And so you may be able to, depending on, again, how large and how broad you've defined your program as being, um, be able to save some cost by looking at what you've got internally already. I would never, from a securities perspective as well, suggest that people go outside and and, and use resources to initially set up and structure their uh, threat modeling practice because in itself, it's a bit of a a security risk because, you know, you have people that aren't meant to be permanent, whereas, you know, the discovery and understanding of what your security posture is and what you want to sort of function or, 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 or move into the threat modeling realm from a procedural perspective, you know, it's going to differ, but it requires uh, the focus of resources that are dedicated really more to your, um, your organization than maybe using um, consultants. And I can see the use of consultants later on, you know, again, and those are costs that you might want to think about too. And of course, using consultants maybe to get ideas on the best way to structure it. But certainly from the operational standpoint, you kind of want to stay internal as much as you can, because that will not only save you money, but also in the long run, it gives you better results in terms of the value, because you've got people that are, are more align to you and want to see the longer term process and and outcomes of threat modeling be successful for the firm, rather than people that are maybe just doing it temporarily. And then, you know, having other people that have to be trained up on what maybe consultants have done, 
and not be as engaged from the very beginning. So that was my next question <laughs> was, you know, in thinking about the long term and training, as you mentioned, what sort of training and even retraining will be necessary for successful implementation and sustaining and maintaining? Mm, training. Yeah. Another cost also um, that people sometimes don't think about. Training is going to be very important because when you set up your structure for threat modeling, um, the process and procedure from end to end, your folks have to understand what that is, know how to react to um, stakeholders that are managing uh, the threat modeling process themselves. And or if you decide to dedicate a team to, which most people don't do these days, you kind of want to have it maybe federated as opposed to centralized and because decentralized, of course, it means that you don't have a handle on anything and you probably won't be able to prove the um, success or um, non-success of your, your uh, initiative. But the training that's going to be required is really understanding the elements that you're actually threat modeling first, which is, you know, what are your products and services and or platforms? What do they look like technically? At scale and a large organization, you're probably going to want to federate and also think of using maybe communities of practice as a structure or a framework around your threat modeling governance structure or um, organization, simply because the people that know this products best and know maybe what security um, vulnerabilities may exist when they're doing new builds, et cetera, are the people that are in those product teams. So those are the resources that have the understanding of the products, but would need the training in terms of understanding what the methodology is that you're going to use for threat modeling. And then they would also need the training for whatever tools that you're using. So I would say that to save yourself on actually having to have a central department or, or team that knows every single product or can threat model on behalf of different product teams, it probably is best these days. And I know most people at, at scale probably want to federate out, meaning that you know, you've got a, a central practice that actually manages the governance and the service end of it, providing the tool sets and support and resources um, for training, et cetera. But you want to have the actual teams that, that are responsible for their threat models themselves be the folks that are actually doing the work so that you cut on training costs in that way as well. That's excellent advice. And and you've shared certainly a lot of really good actionable advice for our listeners today. Before we wrap up, Karen, do you have any final words or parting words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I'd say a couple, you know, particularly around costing and then also just structuring in general. People must do best what's for them and not for other vendors or tools or other people. Um, every organization is different. There are best practices out there. And, you know, I would say, you know, make use of those, you know, right now I'm in the financial world. So NIST is is quite important because it, it gives us the um, details and controls to be used for most regulatory practices and also has threat modeling mentioned as one of the controls in there as well. Um, there's also the OWASP group, which is helpful um, because it, even though it's community sponsored, it helps for those that are doing application security, in particular threat modeling, and gives a wide range of best practices, which are tried and true. And I have actually used in other places I've worked at. So make use of those resources to kind of figure out where you want to go with your threat modeling, but make it your decision first. Um, if you're starting from the very beginning, of course, you may want to add or make use of maybe having some folks that 
have done this before, either internally or, or bring in maybe a consultant or two. But again, make it work for you and get that internal focus first before you start spreading it outside to looking at tools and other things that may affect your costs and also the success of how you're actually rolling out your practice and your program. I love it. Thank you, Karen. Thanks so much for being here today. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. To find products and solutions related to threat modeling, we invite you to visit rsaconference.com forward slash marketplace. Here you'll find an entire ecosystem of cybersecurity vendors and service providers who can assist with your specific needs. Please keep the conversation going on your social channels using the hashtag RSAC and be sure to visit rsaconference.com for new content posted year round. Until next time.